0: All right, Tennessee Titans talk, season in review. Big fella, that trip to Miami will have to wait, but proud of this team. Oh, I still have to cancel my plane ticket
1: now that you mention it, but, yeah, it'll have to wait. You know what won't wait is the excitement that we're going to carry over to next season because I, we, we as a team have nothing to be ashamed of, hold our heads high. We've got a lot to be proud of. So I'm, I'm super proud of all,
0: all of our fans. I'm super proud of this team. Landon, a lot to be happy about when we look at 2019 as a season, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Especially down the stretch, we really punched above our weight, even with how good we were with Tannehill. To beat the Patriots in Foxborough, to beat the number one seed, and to hang around for 45 minutes in Kansas City is an outstanding season considering how we started in. Still how flawed this team was. We have some major holes, especially at pass rush. Our defensive secondary got exposed a bit. And for all that to come down to us making to the Final Four... I'll take that any day of the week, even though a loss that close to the ultimate goal stings.
0: On this podcast, we're going to discuss the Chiefs, but briefly. We uh, we all watched that game, and we're going to give our thoughts. But for most of this episode, we're going to talk season awards, and uh, we'll do some unique ones. We'll talk about some players that aren't being talked about uh, necessarily this week. We'll sort of have a discussion about our best players, our most improved players, and uh, a lot of other unique things, and kind of just put a nice little bow on this terrific season that we wound up having just super fun Landon your thoughts on uh, Kansas City Sunday afternoon
2: lost AFC championship game if I had to summarize that game it's frustrating it's wasted potential because our first three drives we scored every single time our play calling was clicking they couldn't do a thing to stop us we had the ball twice as long as they did midway through the second quarter and they were only down three our defense once again had its worst performance of the season both their worst performances came against the Chiefs. Our just lack of speed, and more specifically our pass rush, really was exposed. Their offensive line was healthy, and we could not get consistent pressure. They didn't get called for a single hold, which you can argue was a bit, is a bit of a stretch, but still. You've got to get pressure on the best quarterbacks in the playoffs if you have hopes of winning. And we just couldn't. And even on the last couple drives, Sammy Watkins sneaks behind everyone for a big play touchdown, because Mahomes is just standing there and sitting and he has all the time in the world and then on that pass interference that got drawn on Tremaine Brock he had plenty of time to go downfield we never really forced them to take short stuff where we can rally up and gang tackle like we did the last two times they just sat back he had all the time in the world and he just got to air it out downfield to a guy who was more than to a guy who was more often than not wide open
0: I agree with Landon that The big key for me was the lack of pressure on Mahomes. Uh, He ran for first downs literally whenever he wanted, and he had all day. So I feel like our pass rush came up short. We had talked about how a good pass rusher on the edge is the missing piece. We knew that last summer that was our biggest need. Uh, We didn't draft anybody early, uh, but it's a traditional kind of edge pass rusher. I like the fact that we drafted talent, not need, but it came back and kind of got us. We were able to operate basically with three defensive tackles, And beat the Baltimore Ravens we were not able to do that every team in the last at least two decades that doesn't have just a inner circle Hall of Fame quarterback had a dominant pass rush from like multiple avenues but especially a really good pass rusher the Denver Broncos when when they won the championship with Peyton Manning they won it because of Von Miller and it's just absolute dominant pass rush but not just him Malik Jackson and others and we're going to have to address that, I think, in the future, whether it's somebody that kind of ascends like a Harold Landry or just some other way to get creative, or maybe it'll be by committee and we'll do something unique. But I agree totally with Landon, John, that uh, our pass rush and the lack of pass rush above other things that maybe we didn't execute on, that was the the glaring difference uh, Sunday.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I think, you know, to echo all of your sentiments I agree. I think our biggest problem against the Chiefs was something that I consider to be our biggest problem all year. Like you guys had mentioned, pass rush. We couldn't get there. We didn't get good pressures. We weren't creative enough on defense. And, you know, we weren't able to blitz because they had so many, so many explosive receivers and fast guys, which also is our Achilles heel too. We give up big plays. Like you talked about the Watkins catch and, you know, when we're out of position and, let Mahomes run for a 25-yard touchdown. Those are the things that kill us as a team. So I think if we clean up our pass rush and we get, like you said, a good, uh, either a good complimentary player to Harold Landry and watch him take take the next step and kind of develop our interior pass rush as well, we're going to win these kind of games and we're going to be here again. I've seen a lot on social media about the, the calls and the no calls and, you know, referees, they're under scrutiny all the time if we're looking at that specifically in a game you know there's a good chance we might not deserve to win so I think you have to take the the penalties out of it unless it's egregious like last year with the Saints and the Rams and that's a different conversation for another day but I think uh, on Sunday we were up for the challenge we just ran out of time and ran out of creativity so I'd like to see us continue to build on those areas and kind of expand on what we did this year And I think we'll be better prepared next year. We've seen
0: teams Three teams last offseason that consider themselves contenders go out and get a pass rusher. Whether it's from a trade, from a franchise tag, or something else, saw a lot of trade activity, especially in training camp last summer. I wonder if we don't try to add that piece that is sort of on the same sort of career trajectory as our other core players that'll be really interesting to see who might be available. It's um, it's going to be a fun offseason, I think, because yes, we have the 29th pick, but we have a lot of excitement. We don't have a lot of holes, and we've got a lot of interesting free agents. So I myself am looking forward to this offseason. It'll be nice to do it in the context of the uh, sort of mini run we made, too. It, it'll make it more fun. We're going to talk about Pending free agency because we have everybody this season has talked a lot already about what's going to happen with Derrick Henry's contract and Ryan Tannehill's, but we have a lot of other guys that have a lot of interesting questions uh, coming up this summer. Logan Ryan, Jack Conklin. These aren't the slam dunk, hey, they'll be back or we'll try to get them back. We'll franchise them if we have to and Corey Davis. And Adoree Jackson's fifth-year option, of course, not for 20, but for 21. That decision will be made this summer. So many really interesting things that we'll we're going to walk you through and talk about. Begin the discussion next week, but this week, as good of a season as we've had, I think it's important to go through and talk about our superlatives, awards for this season. We will not be able to pick the same person. Uh, there's a lot of good discussion. Locally and regionally about the Titans, but we all know how good Derrick Henry is We all know how good Tannehill played. So we're gonna give you maybe some other names uh, We know you listen to us so you can get uh, sort of that next level of discussion most valuable player Team MVP big fella. Obviously this one has to be Derrick Henry
1: I know we said we weren't gonna just pick the big guys, but I mean well, you're going to pick the big, mm, I'm gonna pick the, gonna the, the big guys. I'm going to pick the big guys. You're going to tell about the big guys. Yeah. I'm picking the big guys because I'm going first, and hopefully I won't do that for all of our picks here. But I think this one is a no-brainer. I mean, the guy, he had a career year, rushed for over 1,500 yards, over 1,900 yards on the ground if you count the playoffs, and he's done some things this year that we haven't seen in this organization you know, since the Chris Johnson days, and he did it a lot different.
0: Derrick Henry's been our most valuable player, and he really led – the surge that we had in the back half of the season, and uh, we didn't have any small amount of huge contributions from lots of guys, but he was the he really was the kingpin of, of what we did. Uh, Ryan Tannehill uh, was our team MVP, aside from Henry. Obviously, it's the most important position uh, in the game, and the guy finishes uh, completing 70% of his passes, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. But on the field, the toughness and the decisiveness and the fearlessness, just really galvanized the team, no question.
2: Oh, absolutely. When you consider just the revitalization of this entire team and its identity and the emotional uplifting that he brought just by his presence and how he played, you look at Mariota's games versus Tannehill games, it's a completely different team on every side of the ball. Every player played better under Tannehill.
0: So, Landon, who would be the third name on your on your list for team MVP?
2: Well, for the first half of the season, I was telling you guys, this guy's our best player by a good amount before Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry broke out. It's Brett Kern. It's the best punter in the league, bar none. 47 yards per punt, no blocks, and he was a weapon because our offense was built on big plays, chunk plays. Either we drive or often we stall out. And with a lesser punter, the defense would have worse field position. Opposing offenses would have better field position. We'd have given up more points. But Brett Kern says, no, no, no. He's going to pin you back deep. He's going to hit amazing punts. He's never going to make a mistake. And even he's a threat on fake punts. Most importantly, he sealed maybe our greatest game of the season against the Patriots with the most perfect punt you could have, a long rolling punt right down to the one yard line. He was a rock on special teams. He kept us in games at times with pinning the other team back and limiting offensive drives. It's only because of his position that he's third. I mean, he was first team all pro. He was the best-ass position. It's just that there's a P next to his name instead of a QB or a RB.
0: Obviously, the way they do the Pro Bowl now, the two teams go in the Super Bowl. Those players aren't playing in the Pro Bowl. So who's going to go to the Pro Bowl for the Titans this year? And, John,
2: are you going to watch? All right, so Tannehill and Casey are going as replacements for Mahomes and Chris Jones, who are in the Super Bowl. And then Derrick Henry and Brett Kern are both going to go. Those are both no-brainers. I mean, Kern is first-team All-Pro. Derrick Henry led the league in every major rushing statistic outside of yards per attempt. I'll go ahead and speak ahead of John. I'm not going to watch the Pro Bowl. It's like the all-star game in basketball, except the highlights that you get on unguarded matchups in basketball are infinitely better than in football. Because in football, yeah, the most exciting thing without much defense is a cool long bomb touchdown. In basketball, you've got alley-oops, fancy layups, fun blocks. It's just the nature of football doesn't lend itself to an all-star game where the competitiveness isn't really there. I think you make a good
0: point, point. and one thing I like about this podcast is you guys have um, sometimes a difference of opinion, which I like, because you both make a good point. Big fellow, are you watching Sunday? I'll watch
1: on and off. It, like Landon said, it's not as competitive as a, as a real game, but to me it's more football, and we get to watch our boys out there again. And, and I'm excited for – for Derek to have his first trip to the Pro Bowl and you know we've seen Jarrell there a few years and honestly one thing I'll be looking at that'll be curious for me as we approach our offseason Ryan Tannehill's body language and how he interacts with other players because obviously I think all, all of us in Nashville want him back here but getting an opportunity to play with other guys on another team it sometimes gives players a reason to leave home and to check out the waters and and I'll just kind of want to see if he gels with other guys and not that I want him to leave, but I, I want to know if he's, you know, kind of got that inclination, and it might be interesting to see if he has some like fantastic chemistry with a different, uh, a different wide receiver, or a running back, or a center, or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, I'll be watching on and off, and um, I always like how they reinvent, re- reintroduced the skills competition. I always think that's really fun to watch. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep eyes on it.
0: Who was the Titans' top rookie in 2019, big fellow? I know who I want to pick, but I'm
1: going to let you announce your boy. So I'm going to go with Jeffrey Simmons. He was a tank on the defensive line, uh, you know, and this is a guy that we didn't know if we'd have him at all. And sure enough, he came back from a torn ACL to just have a fabulous rookie year. And there were times where, you know, he. he literally put Quentin Nelson on the ground, which isn't something many people can say. You know, he he would he was very instrumental in opening up holes in the second half of the season for Rashawn Evans to make plays. So my rookie of the year goes to um, Jeffrey Simmons.
0: The most exciting thing about Jeffrey Simmons is the most exciting thing about A.J. Brown. As fun as it was to watch him catch every catch, go for 20 yards, is his future and the potential. Both of these guys, A.J. Brown... Obviously, the 51st pick, somebody I wanted us to pick, and we did. The way he closed the season was just uh, nothing short of just incredible. And he uh, he had a really good catch Sunday. Uh, I think for rookies, uh, the playoffs are tough, especially at that position, especially as little as we were passing. It doesn't deter me. I think he's going to be a big game receiver. The most exciting thing is when you have a receiver – that number one has that kind of talent, and number two is such a team player. He's just uh, crying when Mariota was benched because he thought it was his fault. <laughs> and the uh, authentic nature around that kind of makes you think that, yeah, you have special receivers, but how many of these guys are just super team first? The ones that are, their teams sustain sustained a lot of success. So we could go through the statistics, but I think that's been beat to death. The guy finishes a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, he had the greatest rookie receiving season, I think, by far in Titans history. And uh, just the future is so bright with his big playability. I don't think he had a full grasp the route tree and still was able to just basically run in that go route and his strength and explosiveness and kind of instincts was able to just really become our best receiver in year one. I think Jeffrey Simmons has Albert Hainsworth prime, uh, on-the-field-only potential. Is that your best comp in your head for him? I think that because Albert Hainsworth, Albert Hainsworth spent a season as the best defensive tackle in this league. And I honestly, I heard, oh, he was – Jeffrey Simmons going to be a top five pick, top five pick, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, he wasn't. Uh, he played like top ten pick talent, and he has the talent to be one of the really – one of the top defensive tackles in this league, doesn't he? Big fellow, they're going to build this – uh, defense and defensive line around jeffrey simmons aren't they
1: oh without a doubt i mean you have to it's it's kind of like when the when the detroit lions drafted and sue i mean he was their focal point and everything else kind of flowed around him i think i think simmons you know i don't like you said i don't like to do comparisons either but he might have a bigger impact for our team than sue did for the lions or for anybody Whoa. he's played with wow i mean yeah he's that big and he's that monstrous and i think when he finally figures it all out you know we're going to have a lot of a lot of these all pro campaigns for him and uh, i just really look look forward to it and you know like landon said he's not a he he's a hand in the dirt guy he's not a traditional end so he he that's where he does his best right over the center and guard and i really look forward to a defensive scheme that kind of really emphasizes his strengths and kind of helps him to develop into a true pro And I think the sky's the limit for him.
0: So our first round pick, Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. Second round pick, A.J. Brown from Ole Miss. Uh, God bless the state of Mississippi, right? Third round pick, Nate Davis from Charlotte. Fourth round pick, Amani Hooker from Iowa. Later on in that round, DeAndre Walker from Georgia was hurt and we haven't seen, but people are excited about. I think he has a a future and a place on this roster. And then, of course, in the sixth round, number uh, 188th overall, David Long from West Virginia. Everyone listening to this podcast knows all those things because they all made the team, and they were all, except for DeAndre Walker because of his injury, they were all on the field during the playoffs. So if we keep drafting like this and we find one way or the other we have a top half in this league quarterback and we just avoid devastating injury, we're going to be, if we keep drafting like this, we're going to be relevant for a long time. And that is – the most exciting thing to think about uh, as we as we look back on our season is, wow, what a draft, right? So less than four calendar years ago, we'd suffered through five and 27 in two years. And then we immediately improved to nine and seven for four years, counting the playoffs, which they really sh- – those three wins in the last two years should count more. We have 39 wins in four years. And we've managed to – in the last two drafts starting at pick 19 or later we've managed to have our two best drafts so guys uh you know anything can happen i'll tell you these guys can uh, lose their commitment or uh, coaching staff can lose focus we could have devastating injuries but just all those things combined guys john it just it, it he throws around the seahawks I, we have the potential and there yeah quarterback's the biggest position and lots of things can happen but when you put it like that it's just so much to be excited about right Oh my goodness! Yeah, and
1: I mean, um, I think we got a little taste of what the Seahawks had a few years ago when they were the it team. Like I've, I had family members who don't follow the Titans. They were texting me, telling me to tighten up. (laughs) And you know, uh, my cousin he actually um, taught his young daughter to say tighten up and sent me a video of that. And it's just like things like that, and seeing social media and people who aren't normal Titans fans. Um, you know, share our sentiment, sentiment with the team. It just reassures me that we are doing a good thing and we're on the road to success and that we're going to see a lot of success, hopefully, and, you know, gain a lot of great national attention um, and become a really relevant team. And, you know, we're gonna, that's going to lead to a lot of free agents wanting to come here and a lot of people wanting to be drafted by our team. Um, so, I couldn't be any more excited about being a Titans fan. The only way I'd be more excited is if we were getting ready to go to Miami next week. Absolutely. Um, but There's no
0: consolation for that. And We are sort of making ourselves feel better, but there are real things to feel good about. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, John, it will be exciting to think about watching the draft and the body language and look on these guys' faces and their families when they get drafted by the Titans and being super pumped, which I don't think – For a while, people have been upset about going to the Titans, but I do think that corner is going to turn. I think their reputation perceives itself. I think this guy getting drafted in the fourth or fifth round is going to think, man, they're going to make me the next Jayon Brown. I (laughs) I think that you do think that, right? Uh, Oh, yeah. uh, I think most of the guys that get drafted in the fourth or fifth round had this part of their heart that thought maybe they'd go in the second or third. I think all these guys are high-level athletes and think highly of themselves, and, and and they dream, right? And then to to I just think we all have turned that corner to be that organization that you wanna you wanna be a part of the most improved player. Let's say from this time last year most improved player. And so if the guy was drafted or the guy came on as a free agent, whatever uh, from whatever they joined the team, but otherwise just from where they ended last season. John, who's your most improved Titan? For me, it's a toss up between
1: two, but I'll go with Rashawn Evans. I mean, the dude has looked. You know, nothing short of, of all pro. I mean, I know he didn't get elected to the all pro team, but, you know, for a while he was leading the league. He was one of the league leaders in tackles. Um, and I mean, we saw his dominance, especially in the New England game. And the dude was all over the field making fourth down stops, flying through the air, just literally taking over the game, which is what we need in a, a dominant middle linebacker. And he, he fits the bill. I, I was excited when we drafted him, but a little bit, you know, cautious because there's some pretty big shoes to fill, you know, especially for you know a middle linebacker in the NFL. You have to be this dominant figure. I was a little worried, but he has removed all doubt, and you know, I, I feel super confident about his progression as a pro. And he just, to me, he looked the part and he played the part.
0: Well, we have the NFL's most improved player, and that's Ron Tannehill. So it's interesting. Uh, He's not on this list for me, but I think we know it. I mean, he's the NFL's most improved player. But for the purposes and how we're asking the question, who did we need to step up or this all wasn't going to come together? We already had a lot of good players. I mean, Kenny Vaccaro, Logan Ryan, these guys are already good. They already played well last year. Jack Conklin, the last game of last season, obviously the injury issues uh, in coming back from his injury, the last game of the previous year. I had real questions about whether we were going to ever see um, high-level Jack Conklin again. And I think the team did too. They didn't give him that fifth-year option. He quietly improved like the rest of our offensive line did through the season. And uh, he was underratedly a a really big stalwart of the run we made. And I think, yes, Dennis Kelly is good. But Dennis Kelly is better when he can rotate around and do unique stuff. It's better to have a guy that could step up like that. And, And he did. So for me, Jack Conklin is my most improved Titan just because we absolutely had to have him back in. We we mostly got him back there. I'm really excited for our podcast next week because, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a big part of the discussion is if we move on for Conklin, uh, because someone's going to give him big money uh, because there's money out there and there's so many teams in desperate need of a good tackle that, yeah, I mean, that's going to be maybe the biggest decision in of offseason because the other two – have kind of made themselves, uh, uh, they've kind of decided themselves with their play, Tannehill and uh, Derrick Henry. So uh, the Conklin thing is because you just can't go out and find another right tackle usually. Can't draft one and plug and play one usually. And um, the guys that hit the market are, we've just seen how absolutely expensive the the tackle market is. So that might be the question of the offseason. How many of our honorable mention to Nate Davis just because if he had sort of, Coward, I mean, you think about how what a rough situation it was because of his injury, didn't get training camp. Uh, he could have lost his confidence like guys do on uh, the football field, and that could have been just a turnstile for us. I don't know if we could have made the run. Uh, and I think the other two guys just weren't meant for that longevity, so I think he showed a lot of guts and a lot of improvement. And speaking of guys that I think have solid future for us.
1: I've got a couple ideas on most surprising. Okay. Let me know what you guys think. You know, One would, I think... I think we're all surprised at Mar- Mariota not taking a, a step forward with all the talent around him. That's a good one. Um, and I also was really surprised with Kevin Pamphil. Like, he was supposed yeah. to come in and fight for a starting job, and I don't think he saw a single snap. Is that right, Liam? Oh, Lane? he was
0: inactive down the stretch. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, uh, he never played, and it was never really clear what his in- what his uh, injury was. And then I also think Derek Roberson is pretty interesting and surprising, because I don't think many people if any knew who he was and all of a sudden you know what it was the New England game where he showed up with two sacks and was it New England?
0: No. Or was so it it was New
1: Orleans. It was uh, New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans showed up with two sacks and you know kind of put people on notice like so I think that was interesting and he had just been brought up from the practice squad
0: the week before. So I think those are a couple Who's your special teams player of the year? That's kind of uh, kind of a weird question I know because we have the best special teams player in football, <laughs> but uh, who's, your, who's your special team player of the year? Outside of Brett Kern? No, you can say Brett Kern. Uh, well, I think I
1: him, have but... to say Brett Kern. I mean, he can kick, he can punt, he can pass, he can do it all. Um, and he kind of, ha- he's been asked to do all that this year. And you know, he really did it once again without even the blink of an eye. And he's proven that he's easily one of the NFL's best year after year. We talked about it earlier when we were talking about him specifically. It's something a lot of teams don't have, and it's so overlooked but and so underrated. An incredible asset for this team and really puts us in a lot of great spots and gets us out of a lot of really bad spots. So, I mean, he is
0: easily the best special teams player we have. For me, it's Dane Cookshank. I'll just tell you, a lot of people during special teams plays and punts and kickoffs, they're coming back or going to get a beer or you know go down the hall or whatever. And so a lot of people don't really watch it, pay attention. Just watch the tape. Uh, Dan Kukchank is a terrific special teams player in year two. One thing I really like about our team, I brag on our front office so much because you guys got to understand, I've been a Titans fan from the beginning. I've seen some awful teams. And even when we were had some good stars, the back end of our rosters sometimes was – not great we have a lot of guys that usually in scouting there's two types of guys right or at least two spectrums guys that look great in a uniform that may not love football may not understand football totally but they just look the part and then there's guys that just love football and, and just know how to play have a high fo- football iq we have a lot of guys who look good you know in shoulder pads i mean look at new smith i mean we could keep talking but dave crookshank is a football player and that's why a lot of these guys stick right because john robinson in all his years as an area scout uh, he knows a football player when he sees him. Crookshank is one. And um, you start, I mean, look at Wesley Woodyard. You start by being a special teams uh, sort of ace. And so I think Dan Crookshank, aside from Brett Kern, is, uh, is, uh, is our best special teams player. What-, what I love about special teams is these are guys that are just unsung heroes. Most of the guys that play special teams don't make big money. They just love the game, and they're trying to ascend – You know, on the team or and in the sport, but Bo Brinkley has been good for a very long time. Even the average season ticket holder, if Bo Brinkley sat behind you in church, you wouldn't know who he was. Uh, Besides being a surprisingly big guy, he is. uh, He does look like a football player, but he's a guy who just does his job, as you so well said. So, uh, excellent job. That's why I wanted to do this uh, because we could mention these guys that made this team really worked this year. We all know who our stars are, and they need to be talked about too. But uh, Dan Crookshank and Bo Brinkley definitely did not let this team down this year, and they were ready. And I think it takes an effort from the entire roster to continually do what we did this year. And I think we have those guys, and I think we have guys that find those guys. Guys, I love this one. What's your favorite play of the year? The play that just we had a lot just – that one play that just made you so happy you were not a fan of another team?
1: I think if I had to pick one play of the year, it might be Josh Kalou blocking the Kansas City field goal to win the game. I mean, I don't remember a place erupting just like that, you know, in a long time, or just complete and utter, you know, change of fortunes off of one play. That was incredible. That We saw Landon hugging random strangers. I mean – If a play can do that to a guy like Landon, it's got to be special. So that is definitely
0: my pick for play of the year. What's so funny about that, as soon as you said that, I think of that as the Landon play where it was so exciting. Probably the most, I would say, yeah, the most exciting regular season play of this year. And it was like, we look back and we see Landon hugging strangers because we all were. And just the stands went crazy, and that's so awesome. You guys know that I'm not one for sort of overly emotional moments or whatever, but... David Kisenberry catching that touchdown, even though he wasn't uh, on this team uh, two weeks later, and then we brought him back, and because I think he belongs long term, uh, you know, as a, a rostered player. But just uh, you know, having my dad fight cancer in 2012, and just to see in real life what a person has to go through to just survive, just to survive, literally, I saw that over time, and then to see him go in the world's biggest stage for just powerful athletes and to see him do that and get that moment uh my favorite my favorite player of the year hands down all right guys uh regular season only favorite win just that you enjoyed happening or you thought was a turning point or you know since we go to all these home games just the win that just really just looking back that you think five years later beyond the patriots and the ravens game just that win that you'll think oh yeah that was great we that, that was the year we beat so-and-so, and and this is how we did it. My favorite win of the season, I wish Landon was with
1: us, but week one versus the Browns, I mean, number one, it was my first away game, so that was incredible in itself. And, you know, we spent the entire weekend at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and then went to the game on Sunday, and we took so much talk from so many Browns fans. (laughs) Literally, you know, I remember it was right at halftime, you can literally cut the tension with a knife, and then we came out in that second half, and we started laying it on them, and then everybody started to leave and getting all bent out of shape, and then they kind of emptied Cleveland of beer, and you know it was visible, <laughs> um, but it was so great to get that win and to start off the season on such a high note. The whole the whole entire experience from that weekend was incredible. Even you know doing our podcast from the road where we called we called Landon in. Um, and you know had to just get a quick take and it was incredible you know we played like a team we saw Delaney Walker back he got two touchdowns in that game Marcus played well he did everything we asked him to do Derek played well AJ Brown played well I mean really it was just incredible and that 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 was my my favorite win of the win of the regular season I think honestly it's even over Kansas City Uh, I it was just it was the start of something magic and you know it was incredible.
0: It absolutely was incredible and uh, we're gonna do a trip like that next year and Lana will be with us. so uh, we we had an absolute blast and uh, there it kind of opened I think both of our eyes to how fun a road game is, right? Oh, without we have a, doubt. a team worth traveling to go see <laughs> Yeah, because uh, we have a chance to win these games and uh, that's it's so fun. A friend of a friend who we went out this past Saturday to watch a basketball game, he just happened to say, yeah, uh, I've I've been listening to your podcast, and uh, the really great one was, uh, he said, my favorite was when you guys were driving back from Cleveland and you guys called Landon, and you were just all ecstatic. You were all on cloud nine. And that's exactly what it was. It, we were just so fun to having, uh, have won that game after all we heard that weekend and all summer, all the talk about Cleveland, and, uh, boy... It was a great start to what became, you know, a, a bit of a sorted and then ultimately just a, a really fun season. For me, it's Kansas City. Uh, that was uh, – we were down by two touchdowns, showed a lot of character, came back, had that big play on the end. We are at home, our crowd went crazy, and uh, it just – Looking back on it, it showed us that, yeah, I mean, something special could happen. I think we really started to believe, yeah, that Chargers game was a big deal, but at that point to, to beat them, I, I just think uh, it, it opened the door for what we thought might happen and, and could possibly happen. All right, guys, uh, that's the the we are going to do. Great job on that. Super fun to walk it back and think about. Just appreciate what a fun season we've had. We lost some good coaches this week, and, um, you know, it was expected uh, just because of the season we had, but we lost some – we lost uh, a guy to retirement and another guy to a promotion. We're going to talk a little bit later about who those uh, internal promotions might be. I don't think they're going to rush to anything soon, so we hope we can talk about that next week. But big fella, Kerry Coombs is going to return to Ohio State as defensive coordinator, he's going to return a better coach after two seasons uh, in the NFL with the Titans
1: it's probably a dream job of his. I mean, but you know, who's to say he wouldn't have been our defensive coordinator after Dean Pease is retired. So I agree. I, with Like Landon yeah.
0: said, I think that was a done deal for a long time. Yeah. It was like uh, I, I secret, agree. But yeah. It would have been nice and they probably would have made him the defensive coordinator, but I think he's got his mind uh, back in college. And I think he came here to become a better coach and uh, that's what Ohio state needs is another good coach. Right. So, oh, yeah. And
1: one. I think he's a player favorite too. I mean, Logan Ryan has had nothing but great things to say about him and the rest of the the cornerbacks and you know defensive backs on our team. So I think he's a a really good molder of of boys into men. So I think really he's going to excel in college really well as a great defensive coordinator, recruiting recruiting a lot of young guys and you know turning them to men and helping them to learn the game the right way. Because you know he he helped a lot of our guys. You know Adoree played better this year than I think he ever has at cornerback. So it's really great to see those, you know, returns. Uh, and I, I wish him all the best. I think he did great. Same thing for Dean Pease. He has had a heck of a career. And, you know, we were really lucky to catch him on, you know, a post-retirement two years, uh, you know, staying in the leagues. So, I mean, we were really lucky to have that. We, had, we went from Dick LeBeau to Dean Pease so, uh, good luck to whoever's coming next. I mean, there's some big shoes to fill. I like what Landon said about internal candidates, but I, I kind of think that this might, to me, it feels like an external thing. One guy I've been thinking about recently is Romeo Cornell, just because of his ties with Vrabel and his the how long he's been in the league. You know, I mean, there are a bunch of different guys that could fill these shoes, and um, I think it'll just be interesting to see where this team evaluates at the end of the, you know, after they do all their final reviews and they're able to sit and think about things and what they want to do and what they want to accomplish. But I have full confidence in our team and in John Robinson and Mike Vrabel to make the right decisions and get the best out of this team.
0: I think Dean Pease has proved that uh, a guy with some, a lot of experience can be, uh, you know, just look what he did, our defense, just the scheme of it. So we may look for one of the titans of uh, – <laughs> no pun intended, we may look for kind of a titan of uh, d- defensive – Um, schematics and uh, Romeo Cornell is a good name or we could I think we have options there from uh, our coaching staff but if uh, somebody on our staff isn't quite ready I think uh, we are at a good profile now and we're so well entrenched to have such a good solid owner and front office and and coach and head coach not to mention terrific city to live in that I just think we could attract about anybody that that comes free so that's going to be exciting can't say that every year not every team can say that a lot of fun stuff to talk about this offseason folks uh, next week we're going to come uh, with you and we're going to talk about our pending free agents and yeah we're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill and we're going to talk about Eric Henry but we need to talk about Jack Conklin we need to talk about Logan Ryan we need to talk about a fifth year option decisions for that need to be made now for 2021 like Corey Davis and Adore Jackson and we're going to get you caught up with all the decisions that need to be made and what kind of cap room we think they're going to have and who might be facing um you know who who we might have to cut to free up some room and fellas we'll talk to you next week tighten up tighten up